Nadal yeah. was supposed to serve, but he waited for the people to sit down. <laughs> well, they had to, yeah. Well, I'd wait. I'd, I'd, wait. I'd wait for Tarek Zahid to sit down. Yeah, I'd wait too. Yeah, I wouldn't be serving so. No. A Audi that was stolen. An Audi that was stolen. Yeah, yes, yeah, As soon as you see an Audi, you've got a duck. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What has made this such a, a, a major conflict is that the Alamedine family have linked up with the Comanchero motorcycle gang. I'm Andrew Rule. This is Life and Crimes. Today's a red letter day because today we talk to our opposite number in Sydney, a man well known to everyone north of the border as Moz. Mark Murray, uh, crime reporter extraordinaire for the Daily Telegraph and uh, one of this country's most colourful crime reporters, without doubt. Um, Mark, welcome to the show. It's very kind of you to talk to us because uh, we know that you've been working very hard with one of your colleagues or various colleagues on putting together a very remarkable series basically on the run. As crimes are happening, you're making this stuff. Tell me about that. What's going on up there? So in the last 18 months, we've had a, a full-blown war, which I'm sure you guys down in Melbourne are, are quite used to. But yeah. we've had 13, about 13 people killed in roughly 18 months. Pretty good. Yeah. Somebody tried to say, oh, you know, nothing like the numbers that the Melbourne underbelly had. And I said, well, in that short space of time, they keep going. Um, so you'd know a bit more about that. It's called work rate. Work rate. Your work rate's terrific. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, thank you very um, Unfortunately, we've actually had a cup, but one guy shot and killed purely because he looked like one of the bad guys. Total mistaken identity, but... That's what happens when you shave your head and you... Yeah, it's... Bit, go around looking like a gangster. Yeah, well, he... So we've had um, a, a bit of, a, a, bit of a, a war going on here. Basically, a lot of people look at it as a, a fight between the Almadine clan and the Hamsey clan, who are two Middle Eastern organised families. been around quite a long time in Sydney. Uh, the Hamsey clan, they're... Yeah. The founder of the Brothers for Life is Basim Hamsi, who's inside Goulburn Maximum Security and will be for a long, long time. Yeah. But he was the founder of a, a terrible street gang. And this is yeah. the remnant. So these two families have some, they've, they've had a bit of a turf war. It started over a lot of people saying that there was a phone stolen for a drug run. And from there, there was a few little tit-for-tat shootings. But what has made this such a... A major conflict is that the Alamedine family have linked up with the Comanchero motorcycle gang and very much involved in that is uh, a guy called Mark Buttle, who's a Sydney guy and who we know has been running the club from overseas for the last three or four, five years since he, he left Australia in a hurry because police probably wanted to question him over a number of matters. Now, his right-hand man, is a guy called Tarek Zahed here in Sydney. He's the National Sergeant at Arms. Yeah. But had been spending a lot of time recently down in uh, your your fair city in Melbourne. Oh, why was that? Is he a sports fan? Or? Well, there was a bit of that. <laughs> well, if you knew what the weather was like, you wouldn't come in. No, but I'm telling you now that he was under a lot of heat up here. We have, our, yeah. we have a very, very effective... Uh, proactive they call it proactive policing unit called raptor which basically they're disruptors of course and Tarek yeah. Zahed was was being targeted by them constantly uh, he had serious they were looking to have serious crime prevention orders on him which are very heavy here they yeah. 
that means you they've got to know the car that you drive the yeah the you're only allowed to have one phone you've got to report to police they're really really restrictive and they've found them quite effective in in cutting off avenues for criminality so he decided maybe melbourne was a better place and maybe he he uh he liked the company down there um but he, he might have. Well, and he was then famously seen coming back to his seat very, very late uh, after a breaking play at the Australian Open. The Australian Open. Isn't that funny? So he had uh, no tr- problem getting tickets. No, yeah. Him and his henchmen. No. And it was, it was funny because a colleague up here, a young guy called Josh Hanrahan, who's in the series with me, he, he and I have both done that. He's a young crime reporter. I call him Perspiration. I'm Inspiration. Yes, I'm with you. <laughs> he goes out to where it's a little bit dodgy and a bit dangerous, you know. Oh, there's been a guy shot, Josh. Go out there. That's interesting. <laughs> Put the microphone right in their face. No, no, it's okay. I'll hold the fort back here. Good. No, that's good. <laughs> and he texted me. He said, look, he's at the tennis. And the screens were f- was following Tarek Zahid oh, that, that. coming back to his seat. And he said, all these cops are saying, oh, well, we know Tarek's in Melbourne because he's there on the, oh, on the screen. that is wonderful. So, did it not hold up the game when it did? It helped. Yeah, Nadal yeah. was supposed to serve, but he waited for the people to sit down. <laughs> well, they had to. Yeah. Well, I'd wait. I'd, I'd wait. I'd wait for Tarek Zahid to sit down. Yeah, yeah I'd yeah, wait too. Yeah, wait. I wouldn't be serving. So, no, fair enough. But anyway, that's Tarek Zahid. So, and what happened is, you know, he is Mark Battle's right hand man. He's yep. probably one of the most uh, senior figures. Someone had the audacity to put 10 bullets in him at a gym and kill his brother, and he survived. This is just last month. This is fresh. Yeah, it's fresh. But that's the culmination of this of, of this war, which has some offshoots. Like, I don't know about the war down there, but everybody up here likes to think, oh, the Alamedines versus the Hamseys. Yeah. But there's been some other murders, and there's little offshoots, yeah, you know. So there was a, a guy here called... Um, Brownie Ahmed, a, a, a feared standover guy, and he was shot dead just before Tarek. Yeah. And a lot of people blamed the Comanchero, saying that they were involved in, in his shooting. And then I wrote that there was a bounty on Brownie's head. A, a very big one, I think. Yes. Seven figures. Oh, not not seven. It was it was multi. No, it was only a, a million or two on him. Yeah. Um, and when you think about the overheads now involved in a hit, yeah. that's not all, you know. It's, you've got to get your cars, you've got to get your guns, you've got to get your gun. That's right. It's it's exorbitant. Yeah, yeah there is. And those, you've, got to, inflation. you've got to have those encrypted devices. You do, yeah. So a million dollars is not, as a, you know, the cars, and they burn, they burn, <laughs> they, I don't know about down there, but when our guys... They burn good Audis, yeah, yeah. good Audis. Well, they've been burned two or three per hit up here. I don't know what they do down there. Well, I, I believe our people are very uh, <coughs> careful with their money and they steal them first before they burn them. They steal them. But... <laughs> oh, yeah, these are all stolen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Not like the re- go back to the register, don't I? I'm sorry, mate, that burnt out car. We know that, you know. <laughs> anyway, that, that hit was, that was after three or four Hamsies had been killed. Uh, and I'm saying I know that down there you had some pretty, pretty wild ones. but Oh, this is one, yeah, this is huge. What you're talking about? Well, the one Bill Al um, Hamsey, was a this is his uh, cousin had been shot, but Bill Al he knew as well there was a price on his head, and he was staying in the city yeah. here instead of out southwest. He 
is dining with a very voluptuous lady yeah. at one of our very, very well-to-do um, a Japanese restaurant in Bridge Street right. in, a, in a fancy restaurant area on a Thursday evening at about 10 o'clock. Yeah. He's leaving with this lady who happens not to be his actual wife, but anyway. No. Um, it might be his, his niece or his cousin. When a Audi that was stolen. An Audi that was stolen. Yeah, yeah something. As soon as you see an Audi, you've got a duck. <laughs> That's right. So anyway, he's they've pumped a whole lot of bullets into him. They're people like in the street. This is this is a main street. Like it's only ten o'clock at night, ten thirty. This, this is like prohibition. In, it's Al Capone stuff. And they, not only that, he's on. They do a Yui, and while he's on the ground, they go and put a couple more in just to make sure. Then took off across that 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 lovely harbour bridge. Yeah. I don't think the rate they were going, they didn't have a good look at the harbour. They were going pretty, oh, going quick. pretty quick. Um, yep, and that's that was Bill L. Yeah, that's that's very brazen, enormously brazen. Now, does this mean that these sort of young mad guys, as happens, you know, they're young and they're silly and they they'll do anything for notoriety. They'll do anything to please their uh, people further up the chain. They're hoping to get sort of kudos plus money, and basically willing to gamble 30 years in jail against, you know, a million bucks or whatever it might be, not even a million probably. Well, yeah, they wouldn't be getting no. that. And we've got a few feeder groups down here of where you do have these young guys. Yeah. I, I don't know whether they're – this the, the Bill Al one looked incredibly professional. Yeah. Um, the, the one where Tarek yeah. was taken and uh, was, was injured and his brother, Omar, yeah. well, they had – well – I've spoken to two sources, one yeah. who um, is on the wrong side of the law, the other one who's on the right side. Right. We've both seen the video, the CCTV inside. But hard to pick the difference sometimes in Sydney. No, that was a cheap shot. I didn't, no, that was now, a cheap that, shot. That, I'm talking about the past. I'm talking about the past. You are talking about the past, yeah. and probably when you and I had a drink many years ago, oh, yes. we were perhaps with those officers. That's true. They were no longer officers. and One's in jail and one's dead for a start, yeah. Yeah, and there's one of them going to be in jail till he dies. Um, yeah, so but they said if you looked at the the gunman, they looked young, yeah. and then the way they shot, even used the weapons, they said they didn't look like they knew what they were doing. The gun jammed, yeah. which was lucky because his his mate had run in front of him, and if the gun hadn't jammed, not only would he have killed Omar, he would have killed his his mate. Oh, so that's not, that's not great. When you consider how professional some of the other hits were, yep. this one was just wasn't very good. It, and it? these are the Glock pistols that are modified to shoot, you know, squillion, squirt of squillion bullets in, yeah. a, in 10 seconds or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's a state of play. We've still, you know, this has been going on for quite a bit. And now Boss turned around and he said, uh, mate, this is, this is pretty amazing what we've got going on here. Be honest. When Bill Al he was shot at ten thirty, I got a text at ten. Yeah. Oh, sorry, at eleven oh five, eleven oh four. Just after, not just before. <laughs> yeah, just after. Yeah, yeah, not before. <laughs> no, I'm not that closely connected. <laughs> but just telling me, Bill Al's been shot dead, stolen Audi, uh, Bridge Street. Beautiful. Um, we had it up up online a bit after midnight. Got in a bit of trouble because not a whole lot of the family knew. Oh, I see. But it, but when they live in that in that world, that culture, I, yeah, yeah, I, you know, it, it's a little bit different to reporting on on a murder or a, or a fatal car accident. You obviously they're very careful before you release any names or anything like that. Whereas these guys, as I said, it, it was out, it was out very quickly. If I knew, yeah, 
both cops yeah. and crooks. Yeah. They knew very quickly. Yeah, fair enough. Um, fair enough. So this was all going on when our boss says, oh, I think we should actually do a little bit of a, a documentary on this. And that's what started. What yeah. We, and we decide we just call it The War. Yeah, perfect. Um, yep. Because that's just what it is. And plus, you guys stole Underbelly. Oh, I know. Great, great title. My old mate John Sylvester thought of that name. It's a great name and it keeps creeping into everything. Did it make you rich? No. No, I'm still working. I'm, oh. I'm not in the Bahamas. Not I, very hard. I, All you're doing is talking. I'm actually still writing. I, I actually still doing the hard yards. You I, sit at home I, I, doing little bits and fluffy pieces. Oh. Go out there on that street, mate. Yeah, I, I need an apprentice like you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You need you need perspiration. Yeah, need, so yeah. uh, anyway, the boss said, let's, let's do this. And, and rather than do the normal, the very traditional documentary one, yeah. Where journal, where I'm a print journal who's never really never worked in TV. Yeah, but we were doing this little thing called Crim City, where Josh, yeah, very similar to what we're doing here now, but we'd do it for about three minutes because you know I run out of breath because I still smoke. Yeah, and we'd put it on TikTok, <laughs> and it's gone ballistic. Crim City, Crim City. Oh, perfect. And I've had five, yeah, it's not as good as Underbelly, but I hope it catches on, and I hopefully that I learn from licensing mistakes you made that I can make more money than you did, but. Um, we had five million hits from TikTok. Oh, that is sensational! With our with with our Crim City over about six seven weeks. Seriously, seriously. I know we joke, but the appetite for knowledge about this stuff, particularly when it's you know so raw, so fresh, and so it's just happening each week essentially, um, people feel they want to keep abreast of it. So as you said, like we'd finish shooting the first part of the series, yeah, which opens up with the Tarek shooting. And when we don't finish that, I then get some information that, in fact, all about the gun jamming, how young the guys were, yeah. that Tarek's mother was there. So we had to, like, amend it on the run. And the, it's not like your normal half-hour documentary. This is only no. uh, nine minutes the first one. Yep. The second one's on Thursday. Again, um, people's attention span, my ability to talk for, you know, that Without long. a smoke. Perhaps you could smoke on screen. Or... Yeah. They used to do that in the old movies, didn't it? Like a Raymond Chandler character. Oh, totally. You are, you are a Raymond <laughs> Chandler character. Um, <laughs> now, here's the thing. Just for listeners who don't know, these guys felt so – these brothers, uh, Tarek and his brother, who one's now deceased. Omar. Omar's dead and Tarek unbelievably survived 10 bullets, yeah. one of which shot him right through the eye, which you would think would be – a guaranteed death sentence, Fatal. but uh, he survived it. But their mother, they're so confident that the gym that they attend is sort of a safe place for them, a haven, that their dear old mum was there on a walking frame. She could have copped the bullet, you know, accidentally. And you'd think Tarek actually had, he had these serious crime prevention orders and he was had been down in Melbourne yeah. staying there. And the reason he came back, there were two reasons, there was a, a funeral of a guy called Erkan Keskin, Eric the Wolf, yes. who was the head of the Lone Wolf. He died and Tarek came back for the funeral, but his mother was also not well. And um, that's why he he actually got a breach because he hadn't told them where he was going to leave. So he, but he was still here because his mother wasn't well. And, that's, okay. and he hadn't returned to Melbourne because we believed he was going to be based in Melbourne. And then... There is still that uh, feeling that he was about to take over the national presidency of the Comanchero. So to, to take out, to even try and kill a guy of that stature up here, that's enormous. So 
that's what made us really decide that you know we would try and examine exactly a lot of these murders and as I said and it's not over yet because within days of Tarek being shot yeah. a young guy called Rami Islandic he's shot dead at his home um, and he was considered a suspect in in the murder of Omar and the attempted murder of of Tarek and, and within days Payback. they've taken revenge th- three four days yeah now that is because many believe that the commentary will not sit still to see their senior figures attacked this way and if if all the street talk is right there's one dead and there's probably three to go because there was another gunman and at least one driver possibly I believe they have also sometimes a backup gunman. It depends on the size of the crew. Yep. So there's still a fair bit to go on out there. It's not over. And they said we're, we're they're dropping. You know, thirteen in eighteen months. So, the, so that the, the tally at this stage of thirteen in eighteen months could easily grow to eighteen in twenty months. We don't know. It could. Yep. We don't know. As you said, there's. A lot of and there's a lot of bitterness, and I don't know if it happened down there, but very much here, one or two murders, perhaps may not be attributed to the people they think, yeah. because under the cover of a war, somebody else sneaks in. You you never really liked your brother-in-law, so you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or Jesus Christ, I owe that bloke you know, four hundred grand. Why don't I take him out? They'll blame him. Yep. And I don't have that debt anymore. You know, it's a win-win. Interesting about debts, isn't it? Sometimes it's very dangerous to be owed a lot of money. If you are owed more than it costs to get killed, it's very dicey. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think even back in, in, few people have lost their lives that way. That, that's how it goes. And we'll be back after this. My name is Manny Karudis, and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts. Now, Mr. Buttle... Mr. Buttle, interestingly, wasn't raised in the Middle Eastern crime gangs, I don't think, but he's a great and good friend of Tarek's to the extent that when Buttle's mother died, uh, let's say four years ago, uh, about 2018, I think it was, I think he sent a message back from where he is in a sort of a luxury exile in Dubai to get Tarek, as we, we use his first name, to be a stand in for him as a pallbearer at the funeral. Is that right? Yeah, he did. And, and uh, if you've seen the photos, it's a gold-plated coffin. Gold-plated coffin. That dear old soul, dear old lady who yeah. probably at some stage of her early life, you know, scrubbed floors or something, and she goes out in a gold-plated coffin like Al Capone or Carl Williams or yeah. <laughs> whoever. Oh, yeah, That's right. And, and, and you know, Tar- uh, Tarek, you're right. He was, a, he was Paul Bearer and... Buttle didn't come back for neither his father nor his mother's funerals because too dicey. I think he was a bit worried. Too dicey. There's no warrants out for him, I should stress. No. no. Um, police want to talk to him for, about a lot of things, probably not his holidays in Dubai. Do you think that's his major worry or do you think he thinks he's also got a target drawn on him? Or both? Oh, well, he has. There's, there's a bit of both. Yeah. Uh, 
and even being overseas, there's, there's rumours that there are some international contracts out uh, on him as well. He's now believed to possibly be in Cyprus. He was in Dubai. Yeah. But Dubai is not the the very, what was considered, you know, that, that word safe haven for Aussie, Aussie crooks for a while. They, yeah. Because quite a few guys have been picked up and brought back from there, quite a few Sydney people. Uh, um, over the last couple of years, he's believed to have moved to Lebanon at one stage where he didn't like it very much. No. Uh, Turkey. But he's been moving around and I think at the moment the last report was Cyprus. We could be totally wrong, you know, because his girlfriend posted some photos in Turkey just recently. Uh, yes, and, and they do some tricky stuff like that anyways, get somebody to go somewhere and send some pictures to keep everybody guessing, I guess. Once upon a time it was the postcard, wasn't it, from the wrong country? <laughs> They do a bit of that's right, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's interesting now that they can use those social medias for misdirect. I think it's the word that law enforcement use it. It could be a misdirect. A lot to be said for it. And so, is it getting tougher? Do you think for them in some of those places as the the sort of Western democracies let it be known that we don't really want these blokes to have safe havens? Are some countries starting to crack down on them a bit? A bit, I still think. I think from what I've gathered that, you know, Turkey, if you've got enough money, money talks. I was talking with some people who seem to know too many people in the Turkish underworld who just said, Turkey, unless there's a change of government, they're very, uh, not benevolent, but they're quite accommodating, especially of Turkish citizens. And we have a lot of, you know, like the lone wolf, you know, I'm, you know, we have a very big Turkish underworld. In the community, we have a terrific Turkish community as well. Obviously, oh, of course, like yeah, anything. naturally. These yeah. guys are a stain on the Middle Eastern communities, and that's really bad because, you know, it's like the southwest of Sydney is a great cultural, different sort of place. Yeah. And these, this small group have made a, uh, like a horror movie, very much like the Vietnamese made Cabramatta. You know, they gave it a terrible name back in the 90s with the bloodshed and heroin dealing. Yeah. Yet you go there. It's, it, it was a great place if you're into that sort of culture. So. Yeah. A few dozen bad guys can yeah. really, really <laughs> muddy the water from A few everybody. dozen. There's, there's about 300 in the Alamadine clan, apparently. Uh, that's associates. Um, they've also got, you know, you've got the Comanchero, the Alamadine, but you've also, <laughs> we've got um, a couple of street feeder gangs yeah. of young islanders who are being exploited to do a lot of the what the crooks would call heavy lifting the car stealing the enforcing uh they get they they're the ones that hold the guns and drugs and money so that when they're caught they're the ones that go to jail not the not the bosses so there's a hierarchy there and it's really in, you know being very pervasive through all parts of the community in, in Sydney. And this is how they seduce young people into it, isn't it? Because the people under 18 uh, basically don't get 15 years for an offence that they would get 15 years for if they're adults, but if they're 17, they uh, get out in a matter of months. Well, here I think <laughs> we have a bit of a problem. Some of our courts where even at 19 or 20, if that was the first adult offence, they might only end up with you know, three or five years, which is you know, crazy for them. That's a badge of honour. But um, yeah, you know, we do have a problem similar. Like we, we had a situation here where two, two combatants in this 
in this war, one from either side, young men are caught with weapons in a, a series of raids. They are both granted bail on the same day. Yeah. Two weeks later, one of them ends up dead. Oh, dear, and dear. the magistrate was told, this guy is involved. He, he's, you know, they're, they're both, there's other people. So that shows here's a guy involved in a, in a gang war, caught with a weapon yep. and given bail that same day. That's, uh, anyway, that's the problem a, our Attorney General needs to address. Uh, that's very true. There's a, a morality tale for both sides of the law there, isn't it? Now, our uh, listeners, um, and there are many, Mark, many of them will be interested in this. What can they do to uh, to watch what you're, you've been doing with your um, sidekick? Yeah, online, the Daily Telegraph website, which you just put in Daily Telegraph website, and I'm sure you click on there. And at the moment, especially, on the war, it's not. Um, it's quite a, a reasonable deal. I think it's only a dollar a week for the next twelve weeks. So one episode one is up. I think episode two comes up this week. So by the time this goes to air, episode two will be up, and possibly episode three will be up. So um, you'll keep them coming. Yeah, we will. And already, it's just the interest has been so so phenomenal that our boss is making us want to do more, which is you know more work for Josh. For Josh, <laughs> Josh will have to go out there again at night and reshoot all these scenes. I was quite, I was quite impressed with him uh, meeting uh, Tarek at the airport when he came. He came up from Melbourne, and yeah, and he, 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 I think he said something like, "Didn't you like the weather down there?" I forget what he he said. Something a little almost cheeky, mind you. There were you know four armed police hanging onto the road, and they were big cops too. They were they were our boys from Raptor. Who are you? Don't have a Raptor type unit down there, do you? Uh, not as such, but we do have some fairly useful people in various groups, including, of course, the SOG, who are used to when they want to do the raids and things. There's an Echo Anti-Bikey Task Force, and I think uh, some of those fellows might fit that mould. Right. And I think there's a bit of sharing of intelligence, because those, yeah. you know, the gangsters, as we know, they kind of, they travel between cities, and the Gold Coast is, is where they party. Yes, isn't that funny? I was up there recently and it was interesting. I was sitting there with my wife at some venue and I said, see this, this is it's sort of bikey central. And you can see all these fellows clearly on holidays and uh, there's sort of a whole um, substratum of society up there that's a bit that way. It's quite, it's quite interesting to look at. Yeah, they've, got a f they've had a few problems up there. Well, I tell you, I did go down to Melbourne for the George Cambosis fight, and I yes. tell you what, the, yeah, I, I felt out of place without a neck tattoo. I really did. And oh, like, yes. Gee, it was an interesting crew. The fights are very interesting places. They are? They always were. Yeah. Uh, let's not kid ourselves. The, the fights, Festival Hall 30 years ago that were, you know, everything. <laughs> <laughs> Festival Hall for Festival the fights. Hall. I used to watch that when I was on the kid, yeah. Olympic Park Dogs, I, I think Monday nights. <laughs> you, you usually wouldn't get your house burgled on a Monday night because all the burglars are at the dogs. I did say a big hole in my, perhaps my CV as a crime reporter is I never covered racing in the 80s in Sydney. That would have really stood me in great stead for, yep. for the next 20, 30 years because... Uh, it, no, there were so many characters involved in the racing industry back then. Oh, it was... Uh, and, well, you know. It was hand in hand you, in the 80s, totally, and onwards, right up through Mock Bell's 
you know, tracksuit gang and so on into the 90s and so forth. So, yeah, very, very interesting period. And, of course, these days racing's very clean by comparison. Well, by comparison, it is very. It's all relative. I think, you know, racing is cleaner than, than it ever was. Uh, I think police forces are probably cleaner than they used to be. You know, the fact that we hear about bad things happening means really that they're actually catching people and prosecuting them. In the old days, they didn't bother. But, you know, it was all the joke was in in the old days. Yeah. You're right. And as the, here they actually they released a piece of footage of a, a, a gym being shot up. Yeah. Where they were uh, attempting to get a, a, an alleged Alamedine associate. Yeah. And the bullets sprayed into a childcare centre, just missing these kids. Oh, no. And, like, it's terrifying. It is terrifying. Now, I know under a different regime of police commanders, that wouldn't have been released because it would have scared the shit out of Sydney. Yes. And they, but they released it. And I actually think that in many ways that helped because some of their own community would say, you guys, come on, really. That could have been our children. Yeah. They nearly killed. That's how that's how crazy this this war has got. And ultimately, it's not a you know we all sit around and we sort of joke about it in the black humour. But yeah, the reality is when you've got this stuff happening in the public streets and public gyms and outside boxing venues, when they're shooting people with automatic weapons, uh, anything could happen, and will no doubt about well, it. Well, it it will. There was a nurse. There was a, a stray bullet. Ended up going through a window at Auburn Hospital. Yeah. A nurse was near a, a patient. She kind of had to get out of the way. and She was injured. So she, again, millimetres from being shot. Good Lord. By a stray bullet. Now, Auburn, just describe for listeners down here that don't know Sydney very well, a lot of this action centres around Auburn. Is that right? It, well, it's not just Auburn. It's all the southwest. And right. It's so which? Maryland. It, it, it's a whole southwest area of Sydney with from emanating out from Bankstown. Right. And there's a very strong Middle Eastern uh, community down there. Yep. Bill Al, Hamsey, yeah. had come into the city because he thought he'd be safe. Right. Because he thinks, you know, busy streets, yep. cameras everywhere. Yep. But... And away from the, the epicentre of, of it all is southwest Sydney. Uh, and I don't know what the corresponding type area would be in Melbourne. But as I said, it's, it's shocking because it's, there's lots of aspiring people there who've all got good jobs and they're getting tainted really badly by this. And geographically, it's a, they're really copying it. You know? Yeah. No, it's a very serious spin-off. None of this, in the end, none of this is funny. No. Um, and ultimately... You know, let's hope the police can get on top of it and that no innocent people are hurt or killed in the process. Any more yeah. than it's already been. So let's let's hope it. They, and they're out there. The cops are out there. They're smashing doors constantly and they're doing everything they can. But these guys have got patience and they'll just, maybe they'll wait them out, you know. You wait them out, yeah. I've seen one of the two of these feuds go for years. As you saw down there, they just went on for years and years and years, didn't they? That, uh, the underbelly feuds, the vendettas, and some I think some groups of uh, people are a bit partial to vendettas and don't forgive and forget. They keep it going. So we'll see the sons and nephews and all the rest of it squaring up for whatever happened in the past. And we'll be back after this to finish our story. 
Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt, and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free, and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth, and I thought he was dead. Another one had been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for CrimeX Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime. Well, that just about wraps us up very nicely for our bonus episode of Life and Crimes. I hope we can do this again when there's a bit more to talk about, as there will be, because they keep doing it. While they keep doing it, you'll keep reporting it. Okay, good to talk to you. Thank you, Moz. Thanks for listening. Life and Crimes is a Sunday Herald Sun production for True Crime Australia. Our producer is John Burton. If you like the show, leave a five-star rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to know more about these stories, links are in the description of this episode.